There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation. Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. I'm Matthew Howes-Barbie and we're here with an amazing interview from Bennett Collin. He is the co-founder and CEO of EndState, a really ambitious project that's bridging the gap between physical products and digital products. And they, in a nutshell produce real-world custom sneakers with digital NFT counterparts that not only kind of verify ownership, but can get you access into events. And we talk a lot about the different use cases, but they've done some really great uh, drops so far. They've sold out pretty much every single one of them. I think they've done four so far, and they've got an upcoming one happening in the next month. Uh, Bennett himself is a super, super intelligent guy, has a has a great background um, outside of obviously just being the CEO over here at uh, N-State. You know, he's an adjunct professor of blockchain and crypto over at Boston College uh, Carroll School of Management. Prior to uh, co-founding N-State, he was the, the CEO of Cognate and they were acquired by GoDaddy in, in 2018. So he's got a lot of experience in the space. He's someone that I've been chatting to quite a lot and seeing how we're going to see this intersect between physical products, the overlap into the metaverse, and just what this means for retail uh, overall. So a really interesting episode. We dig into the details of what the future might look like, what's happening today, and what some of the applications for bridging the gap between physical and digital products are. So we'll dig straight into the interview right after this. If you're struggling to get your head around the complexity of decentralized finance, I have something just for you. Decrypting DeFi is an online course where I walk you through all of the important concepts within DeFi and share step-by-step tutorials on how to start generating income from your crypto assets. Whether you're interested in this from an investment point of view or just want to better understand how things like yield farming, liquidity mining, and staking works, the course will have something for you. Head over to mhb.xyz forward slash DeFi to learn more. Bennett, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Great to have you uh, on the show. Why don't we kind of kick this whole thing off with a bit of a high-level overview of your background in the space, and then we'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what EndState is. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, happy to talk about that. So I've been in the blockchain and crypto space for a while. My first business in the space was called Cognate, and we were using smart contract libraries, really NFTs before ERC-721 was even invented to represent trademark ownership on chain. Um, So that business um, was a little bit ahead of its time, but we ended up being acquired by GoDaddy in 2018, spent some time there, um, scaled that service out to about 600,000 domains at GoDaddy, which was really interesting. Um, Unfortunately, there was a leadership change at GoDaddy. The new leadership wasn't as keen on the blockchain initiative and ended up shutting that down. Um, But I, as a lifelong sneakerhead, always thought that the tech that we were building at Cognate could apply really well to sneakers and apparel. 
they're tradable assets. Um, there's a robust secondary market for them. Um, but really, there's legitimacy issues. Um, there's counterfeit issues. Um, and people really like talking and thinking about sneakers and showing them off and seeing that more and more interactions are happening online and seeing the coming of the metaverse seemed like the right idea and the right time to build out a service that incorporated all of these things together. And so I took a look at that and said, okay, is this a platform that I'm selling to existing brands so they, they can create this sort of infrastructure for their footwear and apparel? Or is this a company that natively incorporates NFTs into the product ownership experience? And the more I thought about it and looked at it, the biggest and most exciting opportunity was to create a new brand that natively incorporated NFTs into product ownership experience that would enable physical, digital, and experiential to all come together through the NFT. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. Let's unpack that a little bit because uh, I think it's like super, it, it's interesting. I know when we caught up a couple of weeks ago, uh, I kind of started going down the rabbit hole a little bit myself in, in what you've all been building. Uh, before we dig into that though, who who's the team behind kind of the projects? We've got yourself running as kind of like the, the co-founder and CEO. Who else, who else is uh, part of the end state team? Yeah. So the end state co-founder is a woman named Stephanie Howard. So I had the background on the NFT side, but I had never launched a sneaker company before. I'd never designed a sneaker before. Um, and I needed someone who was really expert in that space. I was fortunate enough to get connected to Stephanie, who's also Boston based like myself. Um, by chance, we were both uh, attending. Well, I was attending a webinar that she was speaking on. I actually reached out to her cold on LinkedIn I bothered her for a few months with this, you know, up and coming thing called NFTs. And this was before NFTs had really hit the mainstream. Um, and as we sort of started having these more and more intense and longer conversations about what this new company might look like, NFTs took off in a big way. So this was around the time that NBA Top Shot um, was, was starting to really hit mainstream consciousness. Uh, and Stephanie and I decided together in May of 2021 that it was the right time to start End State. Um, so that's when we, we founded the company together. But Stephanie's background is really incredible. So for people who aren't in the sneaker industry or, or aware of the sneaker business, she's a, a legend in the space. So she was a design director at New Balance where she designed the New Balance 850, which is a really famous silhouette that was re-released in 2019. Um, she was also a design director at Nike, um, where she was uh, in the Nike women's running division for a while. She led creative direction for Nike hockey. Um, and then in the rest of her career, she's really focused on innovation, right? So she was innovation director for Seventh Generation, which is a consumer packaged goods focused on sustainability. So she had the perfect um, skill set to complement mine in that she has a background in footwear and is a technical footwear designer with, um, you know, a really significant and, um, you know, important part of, of sneaker history that comes with it. Uh, and then also with an eye towards always looking at what's next and what the next um, iteration of the industry will be. So um, she and I complement each other really well. And since then, we've grown now to uh, seven full-time employees, and we've got about a dozen contractors who are all uh, working behind the scenes to make end state what it is. So it sounds like you've got this like really great kind of marriage in, of, of skills in the the, the co-founding team um, with 
great background on both the technical side and also the design side. So let, let's just talk a little bit about the product itself. So you've got these kind of beautifully designed, custom-made sneakers um, that, uh, as an individual, taught me through kind of like the process of me purchasing the sneakers, what I get with it, how the the kind of the the NFT aspect combines with with the physical product. The go to market happens through the NFT. So the NFT is what's initially sold to the consumer. So the first drop that we did was in November of 2021. We called it Drop Zero. This is a, a brand new silhouette designed from scratch by Stephanie. So there are other players in the space that are, you know, sort of customizing existing souls or they take something or sorry, existing silhouettes and they take something that exists at a factory and, and they customize it in some way. We took a different approach was to, which was to completely customize and design a new sneaker silhouette. Um, given, you know, Stephanie's background and expertise, it would be sort of a shame to, to sort of waste her, <laughs> waste her talents on customizing something that someone else had already made. So, um, we went to market through the NFT. So people bought the NFT uh, and then we had a redemption event where people would come to us and tell us their physical size. And then we produced the physical sneakers, uh, which we made actually in the United States in Los Angeles, um, which was also another um, heavy lift for us as a team to um, to get done. But we thought it was important and, and good a good thing to do. So um, we, after um, taking in the NFT orders, placed the um, place the order with the factory, and then we're able to deliver the physical products to customers, um, in less than six months, which if you wow. know anything about the sneaker industry is just a, a, an incredibly fast turnaround time, typically bringing a new silhouette to market takes 18 months. Um, so we did it in a third of the time, which is, um, really, <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun to do as well, because we now are able to, you know, move quick and, and address a lot of opportunities that's, um, may not be available to traditional companies that that move slower than we do. So, um, and that's and that's who, in amongst all of this kind of chaos of the current supply chain, right? <laughs> so that that's impressive in itself that you were even able to. I mean, that if I were in your shoes as you were launching this, which I imagine was the case, I I would have been very stressed about the current kind of supply chain dynamic and situation as you were trying to kind of go through and manage all the production side of things. Do you think being US-based and managing all that uh, kind of the, the supply chain end-to-end on US soil helped a lot with this or did it present its own different challenges? A little bit of both. It definitely helped in that we um, weren't waiting as long to you know ship samples from overseas and we had quicker turnaround time and communications with the manufacturer. Stephanie would go out to Los Angeles to meet with the team and give feedback on the early prototypes to get them in line to you know the place where we wanted them to be. Um, we did use some imported materials, which you know we were just as um, you know, subject to supply chain delays as everyone else yeah. on that front. Mm-hmm. But because we kept it to a minimum and a lot of stuff was happening domestically, we were somewhat insulated from, um, you know, from those, those challenges. Like you said, it does sort of present a whole other host of challenges, but again, something that we thought was worth it to solve. And we're really glad that that's the route that we ended up going for the first mm-hmm. pairs. Yeah, that, that, that makes, that makes a, a ton of sense. Um, and when it comes to 
the the sale of the NFTs. What how how was that kind of managed initially? Did you do them on mainnet ETH? Did you manage the like could people just purchase with crypto only? Was there like credit card stuff? Like how how did you manage that piece of it? The first drop was done on Solana. Actually, the first two drops were done on Solana. Um, and we did them through FTX, who was a, a good launch partner for us. Um, and the reason being is that we wanted to open up, um, you know, availability a little bit broader than sort of just the traditional, um, you know, ETH MetaMask dynamic, which requires some facility with, you know, um, Web3 tooling. FTX allows you to, you know, sign up for an account and deposit with credit card. So it was a little bit of a hybrid between, you know, straight up accepting credit card and accepting crypto only. Um, our learnings and takeaway from that is that it was sort of <laughs> no easier than figuring out how to set up a MetaMask wallet and, and getting it funded. So um, the next drop that we did was ETH Layer 1. The drop that we have coming up, which we're calling Drop 2, is going to be ETH Layer 1. But for drop two, we also have the option to pay with credit card directly on the end state site for the mint. Interesting. So you'll take those fiat payments um, and just process that all in fiat, or are you kind of converting that into crypto? Well, how, how's that? How, how's that going to manage? Yeah, we're using Paper, which is a third-party service that you you may have come across, but yeah. um, they actually handle the credit card transactions. And crucially, they also spin up a wallet for the user so that the user, if they're uninitiated and looking to pay in fiat with a credit card, doesn't have to worry about setting up a wallet. Um, it's something that they can claim after the fact, and they still get access to the NFT, even though they're purchasing using the credit card. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Well, how, how did the... How did the first kind of mints and next couple of mints go? And what did you kind of learn from, from going through that process? Because I imagine the, I mean, the, as someone who has been through the process of running an NFT mint, you know, adding a physical layer and redemption on top of that, like even just figuring out how do I communicate with these individuals after the fact, like how, how, how was all this and how did it play out? We definitely learned a lot. And it's funny you mentioned communication because that was definitely the biggest challenge for us because a lot of NFT projects, like a traditional mint, right? I mint the NFT um, and then I have the NFT and that's pretty much the end of the story, right? Like there's mm -hmm. other pieces of community engagement and perks that the NFT project might be throwing at people and updates around, um, you know, I don't know, governance and voting and, you know, the direction of the project and what they're going to do together with the treasury. But once I have the NFT, that that's, you know, pretty much the end of the transaction. For us, that was just the beginning, right? So figuring out a way to communicate with our customers that, um, you know, something like the redemption, um, the redemption period was open, uh, was really difficult. Because I, I don't think the current NFT infrastructure is optimized to support utility, right? I mean, it was yeah. built to support a, you know, 10K PFP drop um, or, or something where, or, or, you know, digital art where, you know, you buy it and the utilities that you have it, and then maybe you display it in a digital gallery. Um, it's definitely not optimized to support physical redeemables. So yeah. communication with our holders was really a challenge. Um, obviously we have a Discord channel, but like everyone else, I'm drowning in Discord servers. I'm sure all of our holders are drowning in Discord servers. Almost, almost makes it worse having the Discord, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just yeah. even more of a challenge. 
Exactly. Right. And then you can ask for email address, but then people are hesitant to you know, dox themselves. And it, it just gets really hairy when we need to get in communication with them to say, hey, um, you know, the redemption is live. Make sure you give us your physical address and your sneaker size so we can actually get this thing made for you. Um, it, it became really difficult. So big, big takeaway was that we needed to really stress the importance of communication up front so people could be made aware of when redemption was happening. Um, other than that, I think that, you know, we learned that we have a really passionate community and that people who saw the utility early in, in getting a physical product and were excited by that vision, um, are really valuable to, to what we're building and are, are sort of helping us usher in the next era of NFTs and, and digital and physical collectibles and, you know, being able to deliver the product in. So we actually delivered them in a, a Pelican case which is like oh, a wow. really yeah. sturdy, you know, um, it, it's actually meant for handguns. <laughs> so yeah. it's like a really it's like heavy duty, right? Yeah, exactly. So just the product and the unboxing experience was really cool. And then we're embedding NFC chips inside of the sneakers um, for authentication purposes. Um, so people, when they unbox the sneaker, were then able to scan the NFC chip inside the sneaker. It brings up the block explorer um, and a little confirmation page. It says that, you know, this is an authentic pair of sneakers and the NFC chip is actually encrypted and paired one-to-one to the corresponding NFT. So the whole oh, that's experience. really interesting. So I guess on that piece that opens up, I guess you've got this kind of physical bridge then, right? Like where, I mean, your sneakers almost become your hardware wallet in some some respects in terms of like being able to gain access. They're like a physical ticket, I guess. It's, are you planning on, I know that when we talked previously, you were talking about like token gated experiences, things like that. Like, let, let's talk a little bit about that piece. You know, what what is it that the utility that comes with outside of kind of the uh, ownership verification that comes with these like paired NFTs and, and sneakers? What what else do you see being on the current roadmap and maybe something in the future that, that these sneakers are going to enable? Yeah, I, I could talk forever about this because I think there's so <laughs> many exciting opportunities here. Like the, the one example that you talked about is something that we're, we're working on right now with uh, one of the collaborators that we have on our roadmap. But that's, um, you know, a physical token gated event. Right. So I'm sure anyone who's been to you know, like a lot of people went to NFT NYC or have been to mm-hmm. in-person meetups for some of the NFT communities that they're a part of. It's really kind of sloppy and, and um, difficult to verify NFT ownership in person. Right. Because what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to have someone at the door and then you're going to have them connect their MetaMask wallet to something or you have them bring up their MetaMask. Which is very scary. Browser. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, no one wants, wants to, to do that. <laughs> Right. Like I'm going to go walk up to some random person I've never met before and, you know, connect my wallet to a site that they tell me to. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're really excited about is that, like you said, this is sort of a, a hardware wallet or a physical embodiment of the physical of the digital. Right. So I can walk up and instead of having to connect my wallet, I can just scan the NFC chip. Um, and then the destination scan will confirm the authenticity of the of the nft um, and then further i can connect my wallet to the authentication site so it's a trusted site that i know to prove that i am the owner of said nft um, so that is really interesting for token gated irl events where you know i can go behind the velvet rope uh, at a concert or um, you know cut the line at a particular event or get free drinks or whatever the perks are 
um, for being the NFT owner. And all of that is verifiable with a quick, you know, NFC phone scan. It doesn't require connecting your MetaMask to, um, you know, some site of unknown origin. So that's sort of the first instantiation of it. Uh, and then there's all these other layers that can be built on top of that for incorporating the physical and the digital, right? Because if you think about where we're at in terms of the evolution of digital and social technologies, all of our interactions are taking place through these glowing rectangles that we're all glued to 24 seven. And it happens via text or 2d video mm -hmm. in the future. We won't necessarily spend more time than we already do in online environments, but I think they're going to be higher fidelity experiences, meaning that things like AR and VR are going to create richer and more interactive experiences. So, Avatars are going to be used for interacting with digital environments and where there are avatars, um, there will be digital fashion, right? So yep. um, digital fashion will become more important and interesting and people will use digital fashion to signal to others in their shared environment, just like they do in the real world, because that's all that fashion is when it comes down to it, right? Is signaling something through the way that I choose to present myself in the real world. So digital fashion is probably going to start as clothes and sneakers, but will likely evolve to include fashion statements that aren't possible in real life. Um, and so the end state of all of this, no, no pun intended, is that <laughs> most physical items of value are going to have a digital counterpart. So I can use the item no matter where I am in reality or virtual reality. Um, and conversely, I love, I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that piece because you know, this is something that I spend a lot of time um, within kind of like my role at Decentral Games, right? Like we, we're we in Decentraland. We see like the wearables piece as a, a key kind of um, item of the future within, within Web3. And I think being able to have all of the, at least parity with your physical kind of appearance inside kind of metaverse and virtual worlds, uh, it, it's definitely going to be very appealing for, for most people that ever engage online um, and in the metaverse. So I, I love the, the idea around this. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really appealing to a lot of people too, is that fashion is what you choose, right? You can't choose everything about how your appearance is. Some of that's just genetics and biology, but in the metaverse, you will be able to choose everything. And, you know, people get so excited about fashion because you can choose how you present yourself um, in, in a really controlled way. And I think that that will take on really interesting form factors in the metaverse. And to your point about, you know, Decentraland and wearables, I think things that start as digital only objects will also be fabricated to have IRL counterparts too, which is a really yep. interesting concept to think about. Definitely. And I, you know, one of the things as well that I guess we haven't talked about in all this outside of like kind of the, the, the fashion, the um, verification of ownership, things like this, event entry, IRL, and also um, in, in Metaverse. The thing that I also was, was thinking a lot about, and I don't know whether this is something that you have an end goal for, but I'm, I'm someone that is very much uh, a, a data driven person in it's like the big motivator for me in like sports and things like that so like my apple health data is like what i live and die by i have my under armor like uh connected um like sneakers which i use for going on runs and they connect to my app and tell me all my stats is 
do you think that you're going to go down the path in the future, maybe of like health data and being able to connect that? Because I was just even thinking about, you know, with these sneakers, what we've seen this huge surge, especially in GameFi around like the whole move to earn space and whether like trying to connect. Um, and it seems like a lot of projects, the likes of Stepan, et cetera, trying to bridge the gap between health data and bringing that on chain. Is that something that, I mean, it opens a Pandora's box for you guys, I'm sure. But like, is, is that something that you've talked about, would, would be thinking about for the future? It's certainly something we're keeping a close eye on. I mean, we're, we're aware of all those projects. We think there's a lot of exciting innovation happening in the space. With regards to Move to Earn specifically, I don't know if the economics of it has been figured out yet. I don't mm, know if a, yeah. a sustainable model has been presented yet, which is why we're sort of hesitant personally to, or, you know, um, as a company to, to jump into that space with yeah. two feet. But um, I would say it's definitely something that we're exploring and have active conversations about on a regular basis. I think that the, the health data and sort of the connected wearables gets really interesting in terms of, again, blending the physical and digital when there's, you know, maybe proximity based or AR based experiences that are geofenced to certain locations, right? Which is what yeah. something we saw, you know, starting in, what was that, 2017 or 2018 when yeah, everyone was playing Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that those will start to, you know, incorporate with things like PO apps and, um, you know, um, token gated experiences and, and um, you know, all of that will, will blend together. Um, I think we're just sort of, we're, we're keeping an eye on all of that, but waiting to make sure that um, we do it in a way that makes sense. And obviously also respects everyone's privacy, because when you start talking about health data and location data, you can get into some pretty hairy situations pretty quickly. For sure. I, th- I feel like that's one of the big areas, especially on like, I mean, this is why there are huge enormous projects on their own trying to figure out identity and especially kind of like that health data there's a lot of uh, challenges that come with anything that's on chain doesn't always mean that's a good thing for 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 people right so yeah i think it's like particularly interesting i had a i had a question this been uh this has been something on my mind uh, around like since we first talked and i've been looking at end state i think that the the, the project's fascinating to me. What I find really interesting is the di- kind of the dynamic here of like the transferability of physical products that are paired with NFTs. Like what, what, what happens in the situation where someone kind of swaps their NFT or I don't know, maybe they lose access to their wallet, right? For, which happens a surprisingly large amount of times. And, uh, but they still have their physical product. How what, what, how are you trying to kind of like solve this problem or can people still sell their NFT but not share the physical product? How, how does this whole dynamic play out in your mind? This is something we're spending a lot of time on. And again, somewhere where the current NFT infrastructure is not built to handle this, it'll be really interesting to see how the market develops around these physical and digital product conversations. Nothing is stopping people from you know, unentangling or, or decoupling the NFT from the physical product. Mm. My guess is that there will be market pressure for product owners to keep the digital and the physical together. At end state internally, we call this entangled, a nod to the concept from, you know, particle physics of the, of the mm-hmm. same name where, you know, two objects, even at great distances can't be described independently of each other. 
Um, and it's almost magic, right? How they're able to sort of have knowledge of each other over, over great distances. Um, but I think that that concept will pervade in, in sort of this, um, in this new context, because together the two objects are more valuable than separate. So I think the market will just sort of guide people towards keeping them together and, and entangled as we call it. But it could also be that the digital objects utility outlasts the physical. So yeah. as people get used to the entanglement concept, I think they'll insist on getting the NFT alongside the physical product and won't be as inclined to say, oh yeah, I just want the physical sneakers. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was like racking my brain for trying to draw parallels to different examples of how this might shake out. And I, one of the things that I was thinking a little bit about here is, you know, there's, I, I agree with you in that the the physic uh, the the digital kind of version uh, of of the product really probably derives its its value largely around the fact that it is paired with the digital. So you would assume that simply transferring away your your nft but not your physically uh your, your physical sneaker product that mm-hmm. digital kind of nft doesn't really have any inherent value there however then i was thinking about the whole kind of piece of you know i go to see a concert with a band that i really love and i get this this ticket uh that i i use to get access it has utility and then afterwards you know there's this ticket stub that I'm someone that I just have this giant box of like any sport events, my uh, like gigs that I've been to that I really loved. I keep these like ticket stubs and I'm the same way. Yeah. Right. right. And my sister-in-law actually got me a a lampshade or a lamp that has a big jar at the bottom where you just stuff all your tickets in. So then at least you can see them and they're not in the folder somewhere. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's interesting because there's also for some of these, right? Like, um, where there's a pretty large secondary market for people even just buying up some of these like tickets that they didn't even go to the event, but this is just like a historic moment in time. And I was wondering a little bit about this and thinking, you know, like imagine like the the first drop you guys did of the sneakers and like, let's say five, 10 years time, End State becomes like a, a really well-known brand in the space. And there's a prestige to that. Most of the sneakers, if they've been used aren't going to last kind of that long, you would assume. Uh, But, you know, having this like NFT, it's almost like a moment in time. Or if someone maybe famous or of note purchased the the sneakers and you want to have their NFT of their, the sneakers that they purchased, it's like little things like this are just interesting dynamics. I guess, like you say, you're probably interested to see how the market kind of responds and evolves. There's probably going to be use cases and things that, no one's really thought of yet that just organically appear. But I do just think it's going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch play out. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that we'll probably have some sort of standard that that emerges, you know, industry-wide organically that, you know, just sort of um, comes to bear as, you know, as these, as these things play out in real time and as people sort of start to understand um, what's important in terms of retaining ownership and and how those two things relate to each other. We're certainly doing some work to try and be the standard bearer and and um, sort of lead the way in how we think everything should work. And, um, you know, we've got some initiatives that we're working that and on that will specifically try to solve some of the outstanding problems. But we're certainly, um, you know, open to collaboration and, and um, you know, taking a market-based approach and seeing how, um, you know, how the, the industry evolves organically. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I, I want to be conscious of time. I want to squeeze in maybe the last uh, question in, in here because I think we dug, dug in a little bit. But, you know, when, when have you got any upcoming drops that are that are going to be happening in over the next kind of months or two months or so and like what what's uh how 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 frequently you're planning on launching kind of new sneakers uh into the market we definitely have uh some drops coming up so i'm not sure when this is going out but we are launching drop two which is our next end state native drop meaning we don't have a collaborator um, it's just us designed by by Stephanie and Dave, our, our world-renowned design team. It's a high-top leather silhouette, which is just right up my alley as a 90s mm. kid. I'm so excited about the way these sneakers look, but um, that's coming out very soon. And then the next drop we have coming out after that is a collaboration with Devante Smith. So wide receiver for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, he's really a, a trailblazer in many regards, and we're really excited to be bringing a sneaker to market for him. Um, so that will be launching um, in the next couple of months as well. So really excited about those two uh, upcoming drops that we're doing. In terms of cadence, um, we're just gonna we're not gonna force it, right? I mean, we have a really exciting pipeline of collaborators that we'll be working with, and we'll we'll announce those as as details. Um, you know, start to start to finalize, but, um, you know, we're going to make sure that we're delivering value on each drop that we do and, and not try and force things just because we haven't done a drop in, in a certain period of time. But the way it's shaping up, um, it's probably going to be, you know, let's say five or six drops in the in the next 12 months or so. And what's the typical kind of allocation that, that you have for the uh the sneakers i think is the is the upcoming one a thousand sneakers and uh, what, what's the typical drop size that you do yep the upcoming one's a thousand um it, it really varies on the community and the collaborator that we're working with um we want to make sure that we're um you know serving the the fans of the collaborators that we're working with while also not um you know flooding the market and and you know creating a bunch of, um, you know, excess inventory, right? Because part of our business model is focusing on making the amount of sneakers that we have demand for from an environmental perspective, from, um, you know, a, a, an industry perspective, from a scarcity perspective for the, you know, for the NFT um, and, and just making sure that we're cognizant of what we're actually putting out into the world. So mm. our sweet spot is in that let's call it, you know, 500 to 2,500 range, but we have collaboration conversations ongoing right now that are, you know, some are, are much smaller and some are much larger. Interesting. Well, Bennett, we're, we're going to all be, I'm sure, checking out End State and uh, keeping tabs on the upcoming drops. But I think what you're, what you're building, creating is incredibly interesting. Uh, it's almost certainly going to be something that's going to be a, a big trend in the coming kind of 12 months and the, the pairing between physical and digital products. So thanks again for, for coming on the show and thanks for sharing what you're building. And hopefully we'll have you back on maybe in a nine to 12 months time and we'll, we'll see kind of how the journey's evolved. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'd love to come back and do it again. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at Decrypto Podcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, 
email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.